Taking you back to the year 1991, where CC Music Factory and Gonna Make You Sweat was the number four song of the year on the Billboard Music Charts, Cleveland. What a, what a wonderful year to be alive. I'll tell you what, I, uh, I, gotta, I gotta recap of, quick, give us a highlight of what 1991 was all about before we hit our uh, particular selection. I'll lay out. And there were a lot of... <laughs> there were a lot of great things about 1991. Squeezers over there doing some weird. This arm is this dance. is this you is. You look like Frank Reynolds and always sunny, doing his with, wicked with my shirt dance. off after I come out of the couch. <laughs> he was completely naked. I know. Couch. This is this is very 1991. It is. But yeah, if you heard this song without knowing it, you'd be like, hmm, this sounds like it came out in uh, 1991. And I didn't. I didn't listen to this to be ironic. I listened to this because it was awesome. <laughs> this is what you this is what you listen to when you're doing the fast skate and skate away. This oh, for skating parties, well, roller, roller skating parties. No, I was by myself in the corner in the arcade. <laughs> yeah, I was too. But this is what the cool kids did. <laughs> yes. You turn around and watch it for a few minutes and go back to playing uh, Mortal Kombat. All right, was Mortal Kombat out yet? That was 92. 90, yeah, no, not yet. Uh, Although well. this uh, Street Fighter 2 was released in arcades, though. Oh. Uh, hang on, let me scratch that off my... <laughs> I'll say it again. So, before we get into our, our selections, tell me a little bit about 19... Tell us all a little bit about 1991. Right. Let me just burn through these, because for when the time comes when we eventually run out of ideas... We can just revisit 1991 show after show after show. There is a shit ton of stuff to talk about. You know what? There is, but I kept running into other, like, 1990, 1992. Like, there was a lot. Yeah. So we do every year in a goddamn we were alive if we want. Do 2016. That'd be the easiest. Just go over last year. It's not very rad, though. No, it was kind of shit. Yeah. All right. All right. Tell me about now, 91. For people who don't, for people who, let's say, weren't living in America in 1991. Uh, so I was going to have a This Week in History thing because, you know, I'm not lazy. I actually did the work. I looked it up and it would have been Clarissa Explains It All debuted. In 1991? In 1991 on March uh, 1st. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Snick. Was Snick out yet? I don't remember if it was Snick. I should have looked a little further than God that. God damn it, Squeezer. I'm an asshole. Because here, because then I picked it. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll just ramble off on everything. So here we go. So Clarissa explains it all. Uh, let's see. George Bush was president. Tupac goes solo. As far as music goes, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out. Never mind. The Black Album, Gish, and Lollapalooza started. Shit, Lollapalooza. There were two solar and four lunar eclipses. The World Wide Web had its first browser. Well, your headphones too loud? Yeah. Oh, poor little thing. There you go. You could have just turned it down. I could have, <laughs> but I wanted to. All right. Street Fighter 2 hit arcades. Ernan Nair and uh, Bert Sackham won the Nobel Prize for medicine for finding ion cannons in our cells. Uh, D&D uh had the first MMORPG came out with like graphics in 1991 mm. uh Final Fantasy 4 Zelda A Link to the Past came out we just discussed that 
Uh, id Software, Bungie, Blizzard, all founded in 1991. They would go on Final to make Fantasy a couple. Final Fantasy IV, by the way, came out in Japan. It yeah. was not three came out, which was six, which was much later in uh, America. The numbering was all different here. I just yeah. wanted to okay. just side note. I wasn't a big final. I, I picked one or two of them. I just, I don't know how you could play all of them. I, I played that, one and three. Yeah. Well, one in America's three. Silence of Lambs won the big five. Yeah, there was controversy behind that also. It's portrayal of uh, gender dysphoria as a mental. Yeah, but that was 1991. It was okay to do that back then. Yeah, they still got shit for it. Uh, Toxic Crusaders, Dinosaurs, Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, Jerry Springer, Home Improvement, Darkwing you, Duck, you Bucky O'Hare, Jenny Jones. You. Toxic Crusaders was the start of... Uh, a uh, like environmentally friendly cartoon like Captain Planet mm-hmm. and even um, Swamp Thing for that matter. Yeah. Uh, Montel, the commission, and step by step. In our world of sports, Super Bowl twenty five, the Giants beat the Bills by one point, which would be bless you. Is that the first of the four games. That was last? the first of four. Yeah, get used to a Buffalo. Uh, Whitney Houston did national anthem that became a hit single. And New Kids on the Block was And that your was the first year show. they went with a pop act instead of marching bands. Was it really? Yes. That was a good move on their part. Yeah. They should try to get her back. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying New Kids on the Block. Oh, for a halftime, halftime show? show? yeah. Really? Yes. So all those years, even throughout the 80s with all those big pop acts. No pop acts. I mean, that were available. What right. What I'm saying is. Vince McMahon was doing it for like 10 years, yeah. bringing all these big stars into WrestleMania. Well, I mean, he was always ahead of this, his yeah. time. Well, I guess it was all about the football back then, huh? Yeah. Or it's really not about the football at all anymore. No. No. Uh, How much was the Super Bowl ad? $800,000. Really? Yes. It's going to go 30 or 40 bucks, but <laughs> that's still a good chunk of change back then. Yeah, oh yeah. Michael Jordan was your sportsman of the year. Uh, Holyfield beat Foreman, retained his titles. Tyson and Ruddick fought twice and beat the hell out of each other. Neither of them were the same ever again. And uh, in Australian Rules football, the 1991 AFL Grand Final, Hawthorne FBC beat West Coast Eagles 20.19 to 13.8. Whatever the fuck that means. I have no fucking clue. Um, so before we go for, further into the 1991 rabbit hole, I have a surprise underneath this red Phoenix T-shirt. And Phoenix the band, not any stupid team, sports teams. Oh God! So we, we talked, we've discussed. Uh, was it three, two podcasts ago? Junk food from our past. Yeah. And there was one item we left off, but we discussed, and people brought it up on our Instagram, and I mentioned you could get it from Canada. Oh shit! I've got us a strip, I guess, of Dunkaroos with the vanilla rainbow rainbow sprinkle icing. The way you had your hand in that bag, I thought you were going to McCluskey me. <laughs> it's a t-shirt. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to. This will be maybe for our YouTube content. I think we could do a show where we eat snacks from our past. Yeah. Why make you eat snacks from our past while I watch? Well, you're afraid to eat that or no, or you're just, you're just going to use this this supple body, this uh this test tube of flesh. 
Yeah, I mean, it's Dunkaroos. I might eat these too, but like when I make you eat all those Lunchables, uh, no thank you. There's enough sodium in my body already. <laughs> I'm going to pickle your ass. <laughs> I mean, your body will be used to it. Two cans of Campbell's instant, or not instant, Campbell's condensed soup when you got home from school. I ate so much salty cheese last night, I didn't even bring my breakfast bag of sunflower seeds in the web because my mouth is so dry. I should be drinking water, but I guess coffee and energy drinks is Sure, there's good water enough. in that. Yeah. It's um, made with water. So, let's start with your... Are you ready to start with your first pick? Uh, I think... Did I cover... Yes. Okay. Here we go. A time of war. I was going to cut that down because it's a lot of just music and a lot of dead air. But I had to sit through and watch that trailer. Yeah. So you had to, too. Two, two. <laughs> two, two. Oh, God. This trailer is god awful. There's only one reason I appreciate this movie Hans Gruber? No. Oh. But yes. Well, I love Alan Rickman. But this led to Mel Brooks making the fabulous <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Um. When uh, I, I when I asked my producer which one I should if I should go with either Robin Hood Prince of Thieves or you had suggested the Rocketeer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I asked him like what do I go with? And she's like I don't think I've seen either of those. <gasps> she's not gonna watch the Rocketeer as a Lisa, little... my sister, same age, has seen Rocketeer oh she she had brothers, right? <coughs> yeah, younger brother. Oh. Yeah. Lisa's Lisa loved Rocketeer. She liked it more than we did. Oh, put Rocketeer on my list of things that came out in 1991. I'm going to save that because in the next show we'll just go back to it, that list. I'm going to do it if you, you skip it. Uh, I'll get to it. We'll get to it. I, I had to make a choice, but then she pointed out, she's like, 
And the only good Robin Hood movie ever made was Men in Tights. Men in Tights. It's yes. like her favorite movie ever. Uh, no. Well, History of the World, I think. And then that. I can't swim. <laughs> and then here's my prom. I had to go back and like really dig into this movie to remember it because so much of it gets mixed up with Men in Tights. <laughs> Um, this this had an action figure line, kinda. kinda. I mean, it had it just hijacked other action figure lines. Right. It's like, hey, well, we that's gotta... what Kenner did best. <laughs> they they literally just they took the Ewok village. That was Dagobah. Was it Dagobah? That was Dagobah. <laughs> and uh, no, because I thought they had the the tree forts with the oh, that the maybe. that the Ewoks lived in. Yeah, I thought it was the Return of the Jedi line. Um. They literally, like, like when I would uh, steal or uh, borrow DVDs from Best Buy, where you would go and buy a DVD with a razor blade, slice the shrink wrap, slip it out, copy the DVD, slide it back in, and then seal it shut and then return it. You did that? Yeah. Wow. That's... Um, probably would have just been more cost. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it yeah. is. It was kind of fun. I had a Netflix account. They'd send me a DVD legally. I'd oh. copy it illegally and send it back. Oh, I did that, too. You can only do three oh, at a time. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking the Swamp Thing playset was Dagobah. That's what I looked at. Because Kenner also had Swamp yeah. Thing. And uh, same with the figures themselves. <laughs> I think the, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood was actually the only original figure. The rest all came from like one of the superhero lines. They're just repaints. Yes, the Sherwood Forest playset, which didn't just look like the Ewok Village, but actually <laughs> was the Ewok Village. But I, I just picture someone at Kenner. Like Their whole job is to slice open... The packaging, slip out the Ewok, and put in Christian Slater. They were a little bigger than uh, Star Wars, too, so. Oh, yeah, this was. Holy shit. Man. Oh, yeah, that's true, because the Star Wars figures were smaller than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so you got this really, uh, that's like when I would play with my, uh, my G.I. Joes on my Brave Star set. It's like <coughs> ten times the size. You still see these Robin Hood toys everywhere, like fairs, and everyone's mm-hmm. trying to hawk them off, try and get more money than they're worth. No one wants them. Did you like this movie? Eh, my mom did. It was too adult. Was for it me. The, the the romance part that they forced in there that you can, if you listen to the trailer again, you you hear it where they kind of like sell that point where the music la da da, and there's Kevin well, there Costner and Men in Tights swimming but. swimming naked, and the they uh, had to sell that in the trailer. That would kind of blur out his ass. It's like, if you go to this movie, you can see Kevin Costner's that ass. That was a selling point in the 90s. Yeah. Like, like Mel Gibson's ass and Kevin Costner's ass. These fucking horndog mothers of ours. No, I just, I don't think I liked it because I liked Men in Tights better. My mom, this was like the grown-up. This Robin Hood was the grown-up one. If you were a kid, you liked Men in Tights. See, I like this one. You would. You're very grown-up for your age. Was I? You were making fucking breakfast in a steel, uh, a, a cast iron skillet with hot oil. That's something that most people our age still don't do. <laughs> now, I, I, I like it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's still a good movie. It won a couple awards, or was nominated for a couple awards. Yeah. Um, I believe those were called Razzies. Yes. Um, although, uh, Hans Gruber did get a BAFTA. Well, and it, like, he is British. You had said that. <laughs> Um. Well, at least he got the accent right. Unlike uh, Russell Crowe, who they panned for his accent going all over the place. Also, Kevin Costner didn't have an accent in the movie, right? Nope. 
No. <laughs> Weird. No. Uh, it was the. Oh, they made fun of that in Men in Tights too, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Carrie Yules was like, "Oh, you even have the accent." <laughs> <laughs> um, now he has the same accent that he has in Waterworld and The Postman. So hey, I think he had more. Awesome. I think he had more of an accent in Dances with Wolves than he did in Robin Hood. Nintendo players now play your games and read them too. The best of the Nintendo comic system. Each hardcover book has 192 power-packed pages of Nintendo action. The best of the Super Mario Brothers stars the world-famous plumbers. The best of the Nintendo comic system features Game Boy, The Legend of Zelda, Punch-Out, and more. Only $19.95. Both only $34.95. We pay postage and handling. Have your credit card ready. Call 455-2659. Also available at these fine stores. Squeezer, I had my credit card ready, and I called the number. Because <laughs> what I'm holding in my hand is the hardcover copy of the best of the Nintendo comic system by Valiant. Um, so this is kind of a cheat. This kind of, these kind of came out in 1990, but they were popular in 91. That's when I remember having them. Yeah, this one has comics from Legend of Zelda, Captain N, the Game Master. Ah, oh, sweet. Game Boy, Punch-Out, and Metroid. The standalone Game Boy comic books... Uh, even though they were titled Game Boy, were solely based on Super Mario Land. So it was Princess Daisy he was always looking for. Why did they have to... Was it just to kind of promote the Game Boy? I mean, because it's all Nintendo properties. Does it really matter, like, what platform it was Well, the Game Boy was of? huge. Remember, they added him as a character in huh. Captain N? Uh, the Legend of Zelda was kind of just like the cartoon. Whoa. Zelda's, I don't think Zelda's wearing pants. Oh, yeah, she's got her bare ass. Looks like she's wearing yeah. chaps. Uh, obviously, Captain N, the Game Master, King Hippo is in there, Mother Brain, obviously, from Met, uh, uh, from Punch-Out! and Metroid. Then there's also uh, Punch-Out! stories on its own and Metroid stories. Why is he in a net? I don't know. They didn't last much past 1991. Just like uh, the Battle Mania and the wrestling comic books. They only did four of those, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So... That'll be some good summer reading. Anyway, on to your next pick. Missile away! This is, uh, something is happening outside. Um, the skies over Baghdad have been illuminated. We're seeing bright flashes going off all over the sky. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was freaky. Bernard Shaw from Baghdad. Remember 1991? I don't remember it being like bad. I remember it being like, oh, you could buy desert camo shorts and T-shirts that promote Desert Storm and toy guns and action figures and trading cards. Because because it was marketed that way. It was marketed brilliantly. They sold the war. This made CNN uh, because... All the networks lost their satellite feeds where CNN had, uh, I guess they had a modem put in at the time. So they were the, CNN was the only ones able to get uh, like radio transmission out so they could do live coverage in the initial uh, assault. Um, but then it, it, this book got coined the video game war because there were cameras on bombs that looked like you were playing a video game. And the way they sold it, the way the news approached it. I've been looking into this more and more, and I'm kind of getting obsessed with this. Mm. Um, like, the the way that they would phrase things, like how 
if they launched a, a Scud missile, they would say like Saddam launched a Scud missile on civilians today. And but if the U.S. dropped the bomb, you didn't hear the reporter say George W. Bush dropped a bomb today. Hmm. It was like strategic strikes and this and that and by America. Uh, America. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the false patriotism was at an all-time high. Oh. And the big thing was, I think a big point behind this was that do it. being embedded now, because you could be live on the front lines, being embedded was so important. So now these reporters didn't want to piss off the army and not be embedded with them because they had to be there. That's how they got their ratings because that's all this was. It was a TV show for them. And me, as a little eight-year-old boy, this was live-action G.I. Joe, and they sold it to me. <coughs> they sold it to me, because no one got hurt. Now, we this a, was to cause Iraq to leave Kuwait, correct? Y- yes. Well, what happened after the whole <coughs> 1980s Donald Rumsfeld photo op, Iraq was pretty much poor as shit, and they were in big debt to Saudi Arabia, Arabia and Kuwait. Yeah, basically all we were doing was defending Saudi Arabia, correct? Uh, Kuwait. And then, wow. well, yes, Saudi Arabia. Well, that's what Desert, Desert Shield was all about. They were afraid that Saddam would go into Saudi Arabia as well. Right. So we went in there. They gave us our bases. Um, and then, yeah, there's like a 35-country coalition of a million troops there. 700,000 just happened to be U.S. troops. Um, the big winners in all this was, of course, CNN and GE because... Wow. Uh, if you want, would watch NBC News, they would do like all these cool promos and stuff. Like th- this was uh, weapon uh, boners everywhere. Like they would do all these promos on like the Patriot missile system and oh uh, look how awesome this is—the Vulcan minigun cannon and stuff like that. It's like why would NBC be doing these like you know fluff pieces on military hardware? <clears throat> Jack Donaghy's synergy exactly. fucking boner. <laughs> well, NBC is owned by GE. Well, that's GE what, yeah. builds, makes parts for the Vulcan and Patriot missile systems. Right. Uh, also, ABC and CBS also had people on the boards of military contractor companies. So it was really shady. Yeah, it's before the information age. The next war in Iraq was dubbed Iraqi freedom, and people were not it, on board with that. It, it was... And, uh, well, yeah, and it was also a different kind of, it, it was very, so easily made to be a clear good guy, bad guy thing. When you have 35 countries against one and he looks and is painted like a supervillain, it's going to go that way. And then you have your superheroes. You have Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf, who's just walking around like a badass. Yeah, Storm and Norman. Yeah, I had his trading card. <laughs> Exactly. You had trading cards. Mm-hmm. My brother had all the entire collection uh, and, well, in the de- in the desert camo, uh, three ring binder. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see. Them. I I have I have somewhere down my list. I got something coming up that is pretty much a result of this. That they realized that they can make money off of more money off of this war even after it was over. I mean, you still had Dick Cheney as your Secretary of Defense, so it's yeah. kind of like Palpatine. <laughs> just before he became the emperor <laughs> <laughs> of course uh but yeah actually i and i find out that um there was a uh there was an organization that was called citizens for a free kuwait and it was basically in the u.s there was a a u.s firm marketing firm that was 
pushing that, you know, hey, these people are in trouble. There's atrocities. And there were. Um, there were rumors of, like, Iraqi soldiers ripping babies out of incubators. It never happened. As it turns out, there's $11 million from the Kuwaiti royal family that went to this U.S. firm. And they basically... So basically... Kuwait was running advertising campaigns in the U.S. to help support the war. Ah. And it worked brilliantly because little eight-year-old Squeezer basically got to watch an action movie every night on the nightly news. This is before little Squeezer read about uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower warning about the industrial military complex. Yes. Oh, yeah. It didn't take long. And then when, like, you know, I got a little bit older and started actually reading, like, some Stephen Ambrose stuff or whoever wrote the stuff that Stephen Ambrose then plagiarized, you know, yeah, wars, war wasn't so fun after that. Well, I'd like to say my next pick is something a little more positive, but uh, here we go. Yeah, if you hear the burning. I do. It's like organized confusion. Over, over uh, three, four hundred degrees in temperature. And then you just got these guys that are running into this building. Everybody else is running out. And these lunatics are running in. Is that a real Chicago fireman's outfit I see on you? It's in the blood, Willie. When I heard that both McCaffrey brothers were being assigned here at this station together, my heart was filled with a, a sudden desire to transfer. Brian, <laughs> damn you! Let's just have one drill, Lieutenant. Now one for the company and one for me. You have a bad day here, somebody dies. Check that door for heat. I mean, is that an accident or is it ours? I'll give that answer as soon as I do. We're starting to get the feeling that your office is dragging out this case. The chances that you take. How do we know if the floor's gonna be on fire in one of these? Well, when the door's open, if it's hot, don't get out. Show me a fire truck. So you punched out a window for ventilation. Was that before or after you noticed you were standing in a lake of gasoline? You shouldn't have had him up there in the first place. You burned him, Stephen. I, I can't. We're learning. We're learning something on the Radiers podcast. They did not know how to fucking cut a movie trailer in 1991. Like, I watch this, I'm like, what the fuck? Where is this going? This is three minutes of just random, nonsensical quotes with titles in between it. Like, of buildings will burn. Does this make you want to go watch this movie? No, not at all. So this is Backdraft. The Ron Howard film of 1991. Plagiarized by Gregory Wyden. Universal was sued. Mm they paid um, about two firefighters who are brothers in en- of engine 17 in the Chicago fire department uh, my dad's dream for me and my brother unfortunately was not my 
uh, desire to ever become a fire. I was more of a fire starter. <laughs> I was more of Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I want to. What, what do you want to see the world do? And he's like, I want to see. I wanted to burn. I think that line's in here, actually. In this trailer. Well, there's only ten seconds left. Uh-huh. Maybe we, I was probably talking over it. That's it. Whew. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. Uh, I just well, it's, I don't think it's so much of you not wanting to be a firefighter. I think it's you not wanting to help people. Uh maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're helping people get at least, through their drives at, at with least, the Ryan Ears podcast. At least at, at your own physical expense. Yeah, I guess. Um, I just I wasn't interested. Like I was in the backyard starting fires. You know? Oh yeah. Not, I'm pretty sure every firefighter did that too, though. Yeah, maybe. Um, <clears throat> so if we all learned what a backdraft was and how and and how they would happen in every fire in Chicago, and how in reality it would never happen. <laughs> like you have to have, a, you have to be able to create a vacuum, correct? Right. So like all these rooms were airtight. <laughs> well, yeah, because the fire ate all the oxygen. But like. None of them have windows or right, feeding. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was it was a tough. It, like it had to be a perfect storm. And, <clears throat> this like movie, the, like had, the warehouse, like that blows up in the like. There's no reason that. Well, that's because it was set. The guy was setting these up. Uh, so they they built for this movie a fireproof suit and and Steadicam to walk through walk you through the uh, fire. You would have loved to operate that. That would have been <clears> awesome. Uh, Kurt Russell was in this movie as Stephen Bull McCaffrey. Billy Baldwin, the, the lesser of the Baldwins. <laughs> oh, come on. Not the full lesser. He's not Steven, but uh. um, he's not Alec. Uh, he was his brother, Brian McCaffrey. Uh, Robert De Niro was Inspector Donald Rumgali. He had just, he walked off the set of Goodfellas right. onto the set of Backdraft. <laughs> right. Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm. Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Hornay. <laughs> Donald Sutherland was in this movie, who not for long. He just he sat there and they, he watched a little girl burn. He was waiting for his court date, but it holds a seventy-two percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I guess the special effects would everybody it made a fucking lot of money. Well, you also you also have a firefighter funeral parade at the end of the movie, which mm-hmm. by the time you're ready to judge that movie, that gets everyone kind of teary-eyed, no matter yeah. what. So. The pictures of firefighters searching in movies like Backdraft do not really show what it is like to search in a fire. Firefighters are shown advancing through fully involved structure fires while not wearing the complete complement of protective gear. Most scenes display firefighters without the use of scuba self-contained breathing apparatus. Realism in our uh, realism in our case would make a very bad movie because the fact is that almost every fire, the smoke conditions completely obscure all vision. Yeah. I was going to say, you see way too much for what would actually be there, and you would never see your character. That kind of takes me to, like, whenever a sitcom does a paintball scene, and they're just standing around with just a pair of goggles on or their mask off entirely, and I'm just screaming at the TV. Hmm. I have a question for you, Squeezer. Yes, Ryan. This is, do you know the backdraft sound? Hans Zimmer made the backdraft soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you a fan of it? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, it's good. It was very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sold the album. We had the album on the south, of course. Uh, it was, it was mm-hmm. I think my brother would sit and swing and kind of engine Wait. 17. Wait. 
but I just want to do something Did they for you. steal this for Iron Chef? Five years ago, a man's fantasy became a reality <laughs> in the form never seen before. <laughs> kitchen Stadium, a giant cooking arena. The motivation for spending his fortune to create Kitchen Stadium was to encounter new original cuisines, which could be called true artistic creations. <laughs> To realize his dream, he secretly started choosing the top chefs of various styles of cooking and named his men the Iron Chefs. Yes, they stole this music for Iron Chef Japan. That's awesome. I'm sure that stole, they licensed it. I'm sure. But, my god. I didn't know you- did you read this or did you just guess No, that? I just- I heard the music and I knew immediately, as soon as- that initial little drum roll, I- because I knew I liked the soundtrack from the movie. I mean, I've seen it. I guarantee I haven't seen it nearly as many times as you've had to. But when I do, I did it by choice. A couple Irish brothers who are firefighters. <laughs> your, your dad just sitting over there. Like, he'd actually... I picture Wishing you two... I picture you so two sitting on the couch. The up. I see you two sitting on the couch together watching it. Chris, like, intently, just all excited. I just watch it for and the Jennifer Jason Lee fire truck sexy. You're, you're just sitting there slowly slipping your hand in your left pocket. <laughs> and But I see I see, I see, see like your dad sitting across next to the TV, like across right. the, watching the two of you and just sitting there smiling with his hands clasped in his lap, just so excited. And he's like, he, he doesn't have to watch the movie because he knows scene by scene how it goes, but he's just waiting for your reactions. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Ugh, backdraft. <clears throat> Highest grossing movie ever about firefighting, apparently. How many other firefighting movies were there? Uh, that one with John Travolta and Joaquin Phoenix. Really? Mata 49, that's all I know. Oh, I... Let's go make a firefighter movie. Mm, just all smoke, you can't see anything. Perfect. Get a smoke machine well, well, for two you'll, hours. You'll, you'll get all these, all these, all this praise from fire departments for its accuracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your budget? Thirty bucks <laughs> on fog juice. <laughs> all right. Wins best cinematography. <laughs> what is your weird next pick here? I think we got a commercial break coming up. No. Yeah. How can you tell if something's high quality? Well, you can squeeze it, sniff it, bump it, or bump it. But if you can't bump it, it's not a ballpark, Frank. Ballpark beef franks are the high quality hot dogs that plop when you cook them. Because they're always made with fresh, lean, 100% beef. So go ahead and peel it, weigh it, press it, and caress it. But if you can't bump it, it's not a ballpark, Frank. They plop when you cook them. Now, I know what your pick is after this, and I'm utterly confused by the weirdness of it. Also, I'd like to point out that this is very much like the Handy Snack commercial. I think this kind of marketing worked on squeezer. <laughs> well, no, I can, there's... Singing about food. There, there's no, there's no commercial out there. They don't, it's not like one of those uh, Tom Clancy novels where he stands and goes, buy my book. <laughs> you know, so you Buy my book. My next Buy lecture. my book. My, my next selection, and this is a little heartwarming tale. You, you might remember it. You might have been forced to read it. You might have read it and loved to read it. Mm. My next choice is Shiloh. Mm. Didn't read it. You didn't, read a, you didn't want to read a story about an abused dog? I mean, I remember where the but red ferns grow. That, that's why I picked the hot dog commercial. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you watch where, did you read Where the Red Fern Grows? I'm, grow? I'm sure I did. And there was a dog in that, but I don't remember Shiloh. 
No. Tell me about it. All right. So this is a Phyllis Reynolds Naylor uh, book. It's like her 65th out of, she's like over 100 now. Won a Newbery Award. Mm. Uh, it was first of four in the Shiloh book, but I think that, I only read the first one. I think it was like Shiloh Does Christmas or some shit like that. Ah. Um, anyway, an 11-year-old uh, Marty Preston in, down in uh, friendly West Virginia. Have you ever been to West Virginia, Ryan? Beautiful uh, state to drive no. through. Yeah, I drove, I drove through <laughs> it, but I never stopped. <laughs> um, so one day he comes across this abused beagle, pretty busted up, and he goes to take care of him. His name is Shiloh. Uh, he's the hunting dog of this guy, uh, Judd, and uh, Judd's a real piece of shit and beats the hell out of this dog. And uh, so Marty hides Shiloh. Because uh, he doesn't want to give him back. Because mm. he doesn't want the dog to get beat anymore. So oh, he takes care of him. No. Uh, so he keeps him out in like a little pen in the woods. Well, then uh, he gets attacked by another dog or like a wolf or some shit. And the parents find out. And then there's this whole moral dilemma. And dad's like, hey, you have to give the dog back. It's not your dog. Okay. So he goes to give the dog back. And he catches uh, Judd shooting a deer out of season. That's a no-no. It's a mm. big fine. So, he blackmails Judd. Who? Yeah, into letting him buy the dog from him. Don't we have a big old bearded, long-haired friend that shoots deer out of season a lot? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you can go to jail if you do it enough. (laughs) But it's pretty hefty fine. He's a hungry boy. (laughs) Well, hey, it's my backyard. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's got to (laughs) eat. Yeah, and I mean, he can only eat so many squirrels in one sitting. Um, so they work out this deal where he can work for Judd and earn the $40 to buy Shiloh. And eventually he does, and Judd reneges on it. And now he's like, dude, what the hell? We had a deal. Was there molesting in this book? I don't know. No. no. Was it an allegory no, for molesting? No, no. Okay. Um, Are you sure? No, there is a lot about um, morality and and choice and like do the ends justify the means kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but eventually, oh. eventually Judd warms to Marty and then uh, breaks down because then you realize that Judd was abused. Oh, uh, and see? that's why he abuses. Abuse yeah, sexual yeah. abuse. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was sexually abusing Shiloh. I'm saying that this is an allegory for molesting. No. Okay. I don't think so. Well, I don't. I don't. No, it was sixth grade. They wouldn't let us read that in sixth grade. Maybe. Physically, that's when I read as a it. Child, Judd yes. wants to keep Shiloh because he does not comprehend why people are so interested in rescuing the abused dog. Yeah. The the idea was no one that one cared to rescue Judd. Ah, uh, yeah. When he was harmed as a youth. Um. But yeah, there was this book was actually it was it was all first person, so it's from Marty's perspective. So as you're reading it as like an 11 year old kid, you're basically walking in Marty's shoes. And there's a bunch of religious allegories and shit, and um, it, it's not it's you know the story it's about the love of the kid with the dog and wanting to care for it. But the big st- main idea of the story is a whole morality and do the ends justify the means he had to do some stuff that was wrong like lie to his parents steal the dog but he did it with the intent of you know saving shiloh 
Mm. So it's pretty deep for uh, for an eleven year old. They made a movie out of it. Nah, did all right. Never heard of it. Um, and it was also translated into ten languages, yeah, including Korean, which over it's a considered a cookbook over there. <laughs> Good God! Well, going from one Judd who was abused and beat up a dog to another Judd who. Uh, went on to become a great writer and producer, but happened to live with this certain person, I give you my next pick. Squeezer 1991 was the year Adam Sandler was made a feature player on Saturday Night Live. And he, of course, was roommates at the time with Judd Apatow. God, what, I mean, what, what, what can't be said about the, of, of, before he destroyed his career? Adam Sandler and... What do you mean? <laughs> he runs Netflix now. He makes like eight movies a month on Netflix. Uh, listen... I don't know about his current stuff. And maybe you have to be a certain age to just really be in. Maybe. Does, is that what it is? That we were like 10, 11, 12 years old? Right. The main, the main cast was Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, who's insane now, Dennis Miller, Mike Myers, and Kevin Nealon. I mean, God. Then yeah. also star, the also starring was Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, Chris Rock, and Julia Sweeney. Featuring A. Whitney Brown, Al Franken, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, and David Spade. I mean, 1991. That was a big lineup. Yeah. And especially after that lull of right, well, the 80s. Uh, the 80s and, and then, uh, then Lauren came back in the picture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to find some funny kids. This Sandler Jew is funny. I'm Bring him in. <laughs> Uh, this was it was the perfect timing for SNL and the immature ages that we yeah. are. Like this, these years get shat upon uh, by a lot of people. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, these are usually revered. Ninety four is like by by us. No, I think ninety four is revered as the be- like the best year ever of Saturday Night Live. They they look at. I never have seen any of these oh, get yeah. shat upon. Oh yeah. Like the immaturity of it, and like toilet humor. But it's Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, I think Jimmy Fallon got his job when he did his audition. He did Sandler for Lauren, and Lauren's like, that's funny. <laughs> Hire him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Adam Sandler, he went on in 1993. They're All Gonna Laugh at You, his first comedy album. Mm-hmm. I, was I have a it. Staple for every child, and my dad was my dad was such a prude. If it wasn't backdraft, like what is this you're <laughs> listening to? Then he did "What the Hell Happened to Me" in '96, which was a Hanukkah song. It's Tollbooth Willie, so many other greats. Hot water bum baby. <laughs> uh, his movies, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, were huge for us. If you had to pick. Which one of the two? Uh, 
goodness. It's tougher than if you if you had to make a choice between those two versus Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Yeah, right. Tommy Boy, obviously. Yeah. But but those two, I, yeah. I'd probably say Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I think well, I think it's just the better movie. It is. But better, Billy Madison's well still great. Yeah. And but those are I mean, Sandler classics and uh you know, even even The Waterboy, even some of his later ones were were okay, but not great. Uh my favorite one of my favorite movies of his is a little movie called Airheads. Lone Rangers. <laughs> How could you be the Lone Rangers? How could you pluralize Lone Rangers? Lone means one of you. Uh, he did The Wedding Singer in there, which was a huge, huge movie for him and brought back Drew Barrymore's career. Then The Water Boy. I love Big Daddy. Big Daddy's a favorite of mine. Um, then Little Nicky, it started to be like, mm. <laughs> Still, my favorite sketch of all time is him and Alec Baldwin at Boy Scout camp. <laughs> yes. That that was it, it 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 hit I don't want to say it hit close to home. I don't want to say it resonated. I mean, I recognize the uniforms, but I mean other than that, I'm not going to What 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 canteen canteen boy. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was canteen boy. <laughs> YouTube, Alec Baldwin is a pedophile. Here we go. Let's uh I wanted to talk to you about something. I see you take a lot of ribbing from the other scouts. Goes with the territory, Mr. Armstrong. Sticks and stones. <laughs> the water boy? Yeah. Did he ever do a character boy. his own voice? No. <laughs> you know, it seems like the moment you get out of the city. All your problems just sort of fade away. Slipping his neck. <laughs> I could see sorry, a young squeezer as canteen boy. My beard is scratchy, isn't it? No harm done. <laughs> my beard is scratchy, canteen boy, but it gives good back rubs. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I- I'll take a rain check on that, Mr. Armstrong. <laughs> Whoops. My shirt fell off. <laughs> That's a quick fix, Mr. Armstrong. Just put it back on. <laughs> Do you know if you tried great, if you tried doing boy. this? Hey. The number one comment here is it's Do funny like how we can wine? make a joke about a child Actually, getting molested. Things sure were different in the nineties. <laughs> I'm going to get us a little wine. All right. A little <laughs> drop wouldn't uh, kill me, I guess. <laughs> Um, uh, and that was, it was, there was rumor and speculation back then. It was like a, a joke. And then it came out, eh, that shit did happen. Yeah. Okay, back to horrible Adam Sandler movies. Usually, I, I mean, uh, you don't want to do it right Sorry, on the campfire. People can just walk in on it. Usually do it in. Subject on uh, I would understand. You do it in a rowboat, usually out on a lake. Mr. Deeds is kind of where it went all Not downhill. me, personally. <laughs> uh, Mr. Deeds. Garbage of a movie, in my opinion. Punk Drunk Love was great, but mm-hmm. he didn't play an Adam Sandler character. Then Anger Management, mm, didn't really like. 51st Dates, didn't really like. Spanglish, I liked. But that was um, that was James L. Brooks who did Spanglish. Longest Yard was okay. 
Uh, click. <laughs> no. Uh, now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh-uh. You don't mess with the Zohan. I Funny people I like, but that was Judd Apatow. Uh, then he did Grown Ups, which is, I think, yeah. Grown Ups 2 was the most critically panned movie. But we we can't we can't pitch our, any screenplays to the director of, of Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2 anymore, Dennis Dugan. His son is no longer, I think, in the Phillies ah. organization. What are the what color commentary are you gonna talk about? Baseball? <laughs> right. Old Kelly Dugan. But from what I understand, it's great to be friends with him. Who? Sandler. Sandler? He's, oh, they yeah. say he's great to work with, great to work for, and he takes care of his friends. He puts them in all his movies and he buys them cars for every movie they do. It's like, oh, you're in a movie, you're gonna need to get there. Here's a car. That's my boy was okay. Did you see that one? No. It was okay. Some some doof has forced me to watch it in Los Angeles, and it was pretty funny. But uh, I didn't see Pixels, and then another one was horribly. I guess he's doing he's doing more Hotel Transylvania's, and that's okay. But Adam Sandler, he was he's something, and he he came upon us all in the year 1991. All right, your next pick. GI Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. What the hell is this about? Well, in 1991... Was G.I. Joe still even popular then? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They came out with the G.I. Joe trading cards. Oh. I think they also came out with the Marvel ones around then. Well, these followed up the, the success of Marvel. Okay. Because uh, Marvel ones were made by... Uh, uh Well, right. Impel. Impel. Okay. Initially. Uh, yeah, Impel did them in 91. One and ninety-two, I think, and then yeah, Fleer and Fleer Ultra, which were more the ones that uh, I, I remember the, Fleer ones. Yeah, because yeah, they were pretty awesome. They had all the different like just, Iron Man. Yeah. Like I had the uh, there was one Iron Man one that I would walk around in school. Like I would, I actually bought like one of those like hard plastic casings that you would like screw <laughs> like together. Yeah, like if it was like a real collector piece. Right. <laughs> in my head, this was because this it was a chase card, and I had it. So I just walk around as Iron you Man. You were the most popular kid in school. It was, oh, that was fifth grade. Well, maybe you were. But see. At that point. Uh, I don't know, because, well, within my friends. Good may, Yeah, it's, what the fuck? It was 65 yesterday. Yeah, and there's a blizzard and there's out today. now there's four inches of snow on your railing. Yeah. Stupid Pennsylvania. Anyway, Stupid global yeah, you warming. Can, yeah, you could peruse if you'd like. Um, yeah, the artwork's pretty cool. I uh, wasn't the biggest GI Joe fan. My uh, brother was more. Yeah. Um, but so they have a whole different, like it's similar to the um, the Marvel Universe cards. They have your good guys, your bad guys, like rank and file cards. Um, and then they had like missions and battles, which they basically those are comic covers from the marvel gi joe comics that they mm. put on the cards uh and then on the back they have all kinds of description stories and the rank and file ones are the best if you look there it has stats and it's picture me just oh yeah just going through every single one of these and analyzing it for unit structure and 
My God. Yeah. Why do you think I love those FLIR cards so much? Once they started adding like the stat, the power stats and stuff to it, yeah. oh, you'd obsess over that shit. Now, are these worth any money? Well, yeah. Um, you can. The, it came in a box of two hundred. Um, they didn't have any chase cards with it, so I, I think Wait, you couldn't I, just get a pack. You could, yeah, you could buy the individual pack. But when I bought, it, I, I think my grandfather bought it for me and he bought me a box like and it had hawk on the cover they had a couple different versions like there was a foot locker case but i had the box with hawk um and i'm only like five cards short of the entire set mm-hmm. so i might buy a couple more whole boxes so i could have the complete set just to be sure no i mean that were me like seven or eight bucks <laughs> um yeah <laughs> there so these are like those wcw trading cards <laughs> I they they printed so many of these things uh you can if you want if you want this yourself if you want to just go and check these out and you have twenty dollars lying around you can go on ebay and buy an entire box right now oh wow probably even less if you just search around a little bit <laughs> um yeah some guys are online trying to sell individual cards for like a buck fifty right I'm like just Buy the whole thing. You'd probably get two of them. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of dollars. But they were pretty cool. Like, they, um, the artwork artwork was half decent on them. Uh, and, uh, a lot of it was based off the comic, but a loss, a lot of it was also based off of just not even the cartoon, but the action figures itself, because that's all it was. Just, it was another way to sell figures. It was the whole He Man structure. Yeah. Once they, once uh, Mar- uh, Mattel made money with He Man, Hasbro was like, "Oh, we have this fucking line. Let's let's make as many, let's turn out as many action figures as we can." Yeah, like so you had you had like your rank and file, which were just like the generic, uh, you're in like shipwreck and snake eyes and stuff like that. But then they had like tunnel rat and cesspool, which was part of the what they called patrols. Which cesspool is when they had the uh, eco. Joe's or whatever the hell they were. I think I think Flint was in charge of that team. <laughs> but they were basically G.I. Joe's. Ironic with, that Flint now has the worst water in the country. <laughs> so, sorry, Michigan. Um, but yeah, basically, those were G.I. Joe's with squirt guns. You know, and then they had the, like the Sonic fighters and the guys with the, the um, what the hell were they? The hang glider guys and shit like that. So yeah, it was just a it was a big marketing campaign, and it worked brilliantly. Okay. And they had then they also had the uh, my mom was kind of disturbed by these because they had the hall the Hall of Fame ones, which were all the dead GI Joes. And let me see if I can find a particular, and I'll just I'll just read it because imagine a little like eight nine year old squeezer walking up to your mom, and because you don't know what a particular word or phrase means. Ow, I'm all tangled. Shit, where is this? Uh, so let's talk about Heavy Metal. Blah, blah, blah. Heavy Metal grew up... His final mission began as a routine raid on a co- on the Cobra Terradrome in Trucial Absimia, but he was captured by forces under the command of Tomax and Zamat, along with several of his teammates. And then, now I get to this point. Mom, what's this mean? He was gunned down in cold blood by a ruthless saw viper. So I walk up to my mom and go, what does cold blood mean? Oh, a little squeeze out. And she's like, what? why are you asking? There's another one where they reference them being shot between the eyes in cold blood. I believe I asked her that too. And she was fairly disturbed by it. 
<laughs> but yeah, pretty much everyone that's dead was either executed in that escape or got locked in the freighter by a Cobra Commander if you were a bad guy. Okay, let's move on to my next pack. I don't have a lot to say about this next one, but they're pretty cool. some money doing uh commercials <laughs> him and macho uh king were in like every hasbro commercial <clears throat> these were the 12 inch like uh hulk hogan and ultimate warrior because they were the kings of wrestling back then and they said phrases and this just went on the hasbro line back then we talked about it before those action figures are so fucking dope and i i know i think mattel's makes retro throwbacks to them now they're only available at walmart I got to get my hands on some of those, even though I don't really follow wrestling anymore. I want some of those. Like, are they new guys that are designed to look like the old packaging, or yeah. are they brought back the old ones? New guys okay. that are designed to look like and packaging and everything, except it's just WW, not WWF, because of the fucking wild. Fucking pandas. So, yeah, Hasbro made a lot of cool shit. They made, like, the snake, the rubber snake, and the Jake the Snake bag. Uh, you may, you know, they made the WWF belt, championship belt. They made this microphone that had like voices that you could actually talk in it. It looked like a WWF and ring announcer, but also I'd like the ring noise, ding, 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 and the Vince McMahon voice and the Howard Finkel coming like four different buttons. I had that. Does it pop when you drop it to the floor? <laughs> there, these, these were cool. I never had any of these. I wanted them so bad. But my mom's like, you don't fucking need this shit. You know, this is, you probably would have had it Just if you wanted it. One. What does that mean? They're spoiled. That's what that means. Well, well, no, you aren't. Squeezer was was spoiled. Yeah, but I wasn't. I wasn't a bratty kid. I wasn't. Give me this. Give me that. I just. Uh, You're just so adorable. Then. I was just. Look at me. Look at me. I was adorable. Now I'm a monster. Um. They also had Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior dress-up kits from Hasbro. Can you just rip a shirt? Yeah, I never had them, but yeah, they were, they were popular. So this was 1991. I just picture little little squeezer and his little little chubby pot belly. It's... They uh, the the Hasbro figures that came out were Hulkster with the Hulk Hulkster hug, the Ultimate Warrior with the white tights, which the slam, which I had, Honky Tonk Man. Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, Macho King, Randy Savage, which I had, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Ted DiBiase in the Green Tux. They also released three tag teams at the time, Bushwhackers, Rockers, and Demolition. No Road Warriors? Not till later. This was 91. 91, okay. Yeah. Road Warriors came out probably 92. <sighs> A year later. We could go revisit that year some other time in the right years back. Yeah. Yes. Next year. Next year. <laughs> or next few weeks <laughs> when we run out of other ideas. We just go back back to nineteen ninety one. Right back. The, to we'll call it the well. The well. 
So I don't even know what the hell. I think it's another commercial break. Yeah, we got to get to a commercial. All right. Book collector John Adams thinks he uses the best zipper bags and won't switch to Gladlock zipper bags. No, I won't. But think, John, what if we took your first edition Spider-Man comic book and tossed it into this pigsty, sealed in either your bag or a Gladlock bag? You see that green color chain seal there, Johnny? That shows you the Gladlock bag is closed. Your bag doesn't have a green seal. Did I say I'd never switch? Uh-huh. I lied. When it really counts, don't get mad. Get Gladlock zipper bags. What the hell? We're back. <laughs> what was the context for that? He was a comic book collector. Oh, are we talking comics? Yeah. What are we talking? X-Men number one. Jim Lee's X-Men number one? Jim Lee's X-Men volume two number one, if you want to call it that. <laughs> the best-selling comic book of all time? Yes, sir. I had this. I had two of the four. The variant covers. Yes. I think I had Prestige the, yes. formats. Um, had the Cyclops and Wolverine, which was the third from the left. So it would be, yeah. If you go from the left, it's the third one. And then uh, all the way, the first one, I had, uh, it was like Beast and a bunch of others uh, on that first cover. I wanted more, but when my mom realized it was all the same comic, yes. she's like, no, you have this already. Right. It's they're marketing this to you. They're taking your money to trick you because you're a dumb kid. And they also thought that, well, if we make this, collectors are going to want it because would you, would you say that this is a symptom of the speculation bubble? I think comic books in general at this time were. Yeah. Cuz uh, it was the it, it popped in like what? Like 93-ish. The bubble. Where, yeah. Mm. I think after the death of Superman, when everyone bought all that, mm -hmm. and when was the death? Was that ninety three? But I feel like this was a symptom. I feel like the whole the launch of it itself. Ninety two, so a year ninety, so okay. ninety three, yeah. So like I feel the like death of Superman is credited with being like the 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 edge of the bubble, yeah. like, and then everyone bought that. Everyone mm -hmm. bought that black bag, thinking this, all these, and then the the age of apocalypse was another. Mm -hmm. X-Men, and, and also at the same time you had Nightfall with Batman, which was also 91, 92, and Age of Apocalypse, I think, was 93, 93 94. 94, and then you had the, the explosion of all the X-Men, and then there were all their separate lines mm -hmm. in different universes, and it, yeah. And when you're creating something to be a collectible... It's no longer collectible. Well, yeah, the prestige formats. Yes. And, uh, now, uh, DC was doing this with their Halloween Batmans uh, and the Dark Knight series. And Jeff Loeb, who is now the head of Marvel Television, was writing a lot of those and with Tim Sale driving. Uh, no, 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 drawing, not driving. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jim Lee, man, what a talent that guy is. And now he's at DC. He's the... Editor of DC Comics. Go. Editor-in-chief. Do what you do best of, now. Of DC Comics. He and Jeff Johns uh, are basically running. And who is, who's, who's the co-editor? There's a co-editor of DC. Um, but yeah, Jim Lee. Remember when I saw him at Comic-Con? Oh, I was like starstruck. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Dan DiDio. Yeah, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are the co published co-editors of in charge of dc so okay. everything comic book wise dc and it's funny that this guy's most known 
for X-Men, number and one. he wasn't even on this very long. He only no. worked on this for maybe the well, first, he, like, ten issues or something. He left to go join McFarlane's uh, when they went and did it together. Mm-hmm. Image, comic books. He was Jim Lee's Wildcats, remember? Yeah. And then that was bought by DC, and that's how he got pulled into the DC fold. Okay. So Marvel wasn't paying their guys shit and giving them ownership, and Todd McFarlane at the time, who was drawing Spider-Man, was like, fuck this, we can do our own thing. Mm-hmm. He left, drew Spawn an image, a handful of other comic book creators left. Jim Lee, of course, left. He drew Wildcats. He got an offer from DC, said that we'll buy this, but it could still be yours. And he came on, and the rest is history. He drew, with Jeff Loeb, Hush, one of the one of my favorite Batman storylines, which I think if they do the movies, they should do Hush. Um, in in this particular movie, uh, I guess not. This it's run garbage. Yes. As long as fucking Zack Snyder's involved, it's going to be garbage. It's... But yeah, Jim Lee drew and Jeff Loeb, who is the head of Marvel Television, like I said, did Batman Hush. Would you rather see it if they were to? It's such a big name. I don't know if you... If they want to hire Jeff Loeb to be in charge of the story. Rather than make it a movie, if they did more of a miniseries, if you did more of a low-budget version, you can do low-budget Batman and have... You know how I want to see Hush done? Uh, DC Home Entertainment animated. Okay. Like they did Dark Knight Returns. Not like they did The Killing Joke, where they made this whole extra story about Batman banging... Batgirl. Drawn that it was really uncomfortable because we're watching it was on the one day in the green room. Yeah. And so a couple of us are watching. We know what it is. And then a lot of people walking in and out or that are in there and don't know what it is. Like, why are you watching this cartoon right now? And then they stick and and then they stick around for it and are mortified by it. Um spoilers. Barbara Gordon gets shot and becomes the Oracle, paralyzed by the Joker. Right in front of Jim Gordon, and he's still alive. He doesn't let he doesn't let Batman kill him. But Jim Lee is a superstar, and we, so we were at New York Comic Con two years ago, and we are down looking at the set pieces for the yet to be seen movie Batman v Superman. We're still thinking it might be awesome. Is that really two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And. All of a sudden, in the corner, I see this man, and there's a line behind him. I'm like, holy shit, Jim Lee signing books. Now, <laughs> you made your way through the ocean of Deadpools. Yes. There, we, we, there was a note. This was before the Deadpool movie, too. And we were just seeing this, and we're like, oh, my God. I mean, we knew Deadpool was going to be big, but like. That kid was huge. Yeah, it was like a, a six, seven-year-old kid as Deadpool. Deadpool. Taking pictures with all the Psylocks. Who was on the blue team? Again, why I was why I became an X Men fan over Uncanny because Silac was on the blue team. <laughs> now upstairs, mm-hmm. who did we see standing at the Marvel booth? Joe Casada, who is working with Jeff. Uh, getting my Jeff. Jeff Johns is with DC. Jeff Johns is apparently rewriting this Batman movie. He might have wrote it with Ben Affleck, the Batman. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Jeff Loeb, who's the head of Marvel Television. I don't. I just remember walking in circles around that area just so I can get my free samples of the Marvel coffee that they were handing right. out. Well, Joe Casada is best known for Marvel Knights and basically reviving Punisher and Daredevil, and he's still with Marvel, and he's fantastic artist and writer but Jim Lee again if you haven't read if you want to if you want to go back and, and read something really awesome if you're a Batman fan and you want to read some Jim Lee stuff some awesome Jim Lee stuff pick up Hush uh, he drew that he, Jim Lee is just, like the bottom of his boots like like you never would think that would be something you'd pay particular detail to but Jim Lee paid that detail and the fact that he could even draw feet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we're talking about Rob Liefeld, <laughs> the creator of Deadpool, <laughs> could not draw feet. <laughs> um, yeah, pick up Hush, Jeff Loeb, and then, and, and then do yourself a favor. Watch all the Marvel Netflix series, except apparently what's coming out next Friday, Iron Fist, which is being panned. Really? Already, yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, you can't go. What would it be at this point? Five for five. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna have to get to my next pick and wrap this up because we're we're long today. We're making the trip to Connecticut and back with get a shovel. <laughs> All right, here's my last pick. to step up to this kind of power, this kind of challenge, this kind of flying, crashing, feeling. When you decide to get serious, there's only one place to come, the games of Super Nintendo. No one else creates this kind of experience because no one else creates these kinds of games. Now you're playing with power, superpower. Do yourself a favor and go look this commercial up to see it starring one young, super charming Paul Rudd. Really? <laughs> playing in a drive-in movie theater by himself, Super Nintendo. <laughs> the looks on his face. Like, if you just know Paul Rudd now and see this commercial, you, you'll love it. I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan. You know this. Mm-hmm. And man. Uh, super Nintendo. Do we- you remember in the pre-internet days? Because we talked about 1991, the World Wide Web kind of mm-hmm. launched. So pre-internet days, like reading in like Entertainment Weekly, like a little, little thumbnail of Super Mario World, and being like, "What? There's a new Mario game? This, Super Mario World? This doesn't look anything like no. the Mario I know." Right. There's going to be a new Nintendo. Like the idea of it, like in in, in our infant, uh, like tiny childlike brains. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We thought Nintendo would just be around forever. That's it. That's you don't make a new system. What's, right. What do you mean? Nintendo's next perfect. Generation? What do you need to do better? Like, I get Nintendo or Genesis is doing what Nintendo don't, but who gave a fuck? We no one played Genesis. There were no games. I mean, later we would, but at this point, I, that's. I wasn't. A, I wasn't the Super Nintendo kid. Oh, uh, you. I was a Genesis kid. Well, for that, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had Kid Chameleon, and uh, uh, might not have had Zelda, but I had Landstalker. I had good games. Landstalker was a good game. I remember getting Super Nintendo for Christmas because my mom loved me, 
And it came with Super Mario World. And also, she cut out the UPC and sent away for Super Mario All-Stars. Oh, Which was shit. the 16-bit redo mm-hmm. of all the Nintendo Mario games and had the Lost World levels Including on it. that hardest fucking... Just yeah, the Lost Levels. Lost levels. And it was awesome. Super Nintendo, I had... What did I have? I had a Super Adventure Island, which I can never get past the first level. The Tick is a game that comes to mind. It was a beat-em-up. Batman... Uh, the animated series was a great beat 'em up. There's a lot of beat 'em ups on this, on this hmm. both Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. Yeah, Spider Man, uh, Venom, Maximum Carnage. I, I think the whole beat 'em up thing comes stems from arcades blowing up the way they did. Like it was arcades at that time was a lot of fighting games and beat 'em ups. Yeah, so they kind of not necessarily ported, but games translated over Ooh. to. Speaking of Spider Man, Venom, Maximum Carnage, do you, you played that game? Is that the red cartridge? Uh, they had it for Genesis. I don't... I'm trying to think of which Spider-Man game I played. This one, you could either be Spider-Man or Venom, and it was a beat-em-up. Okay. In the beginning, there was a, 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 an animation, almost, a drawing for a band that did the soundtrack. Remember the band Green Jelly? I don't recall this. I only know of this band because of this, this game. Now, I'm currently friends with a wonderful woman who dated a member of the band Green Jelly. And I was like, oh, my God, from, the ma- from Maximum Carnage? <laughs> yes, I was very impressed. I don't know any of this band's work aside from the soundtrack to Maximum Carnage, which I am fully, I don't need to know any, anything more. That alone is impressive <laughs> to me. What else did I have for Super Nintendo? I had this, obviously, because I'm bad at video games and I'm a cheater. I had the Game Genie, uh, which we talked about the Game Boy Game Genie mm-hmm. last week. Uh, I, I owe Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball because at the time, Nintendo... Now, if, if you love informative videos that are well-produced, look up the Gaming Historian on YouTube. He does a great mm-hmm. video about... Nintendo's history with owning the Seattle Mariners. Basically, they bought the Mariners to keep them in Seattle as a thank you to America for buying so many Nintendos. They had no desire to buy this team. They just did it like, oh, well, we're doing a favor for America because they've bought so many. Like, that is how good Japan is. And they basically saved the Mariners. But owning this property, they made this game... Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. I loved Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. Oh, and Royal Rumble. I think we talked about yeah. Royal Rumble. The Genesis one had Hulk Hogan and the Sega one didn't. You have a uh, link to the past? Yeah. Yeah. Link to the past. Oh, Super Metroid. Super C. Yeah. See, this is tough for me. I didn't, because uh, I didn't even, I don't even think my friends really, I think our neighborhood was like a Genesis neighborhood. See, my, my friend down the street had Genesis, so uh, we, all the Genesis games we played. And then I we would think... later get it for the Sega channel. Mm-hmm. My dad would put it down and go, test this out. <laughs> Theme park. Oh, Mortal Kombat, of course, without oh. blood. Then Mortal Kombat 2 with blood. Yeah. Then Mortal Kombat 3. That was a nice part about having the Genesis. Yeah, you got your blood got right. Blood. But you had to put a code in to get your blood um, on Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because no, uh, what I think it was was... the. And yep. Reptile existed in Mortal Kombat for Sega and not for Super Nintendo. So I didn't know that because I just always assumed why wouldn't Reptile be there? Because, I mean, 
how hard is it to swap a color palette? Um, it was the I'm same. Assuming. Maybe I'm wrong. The the big kid next door. He was like a year older than me. Mm-hmm. We were friends, but he was the cool kid next door. He had Genesis, so that's why I had uh. Genesis. He was a Dolphins fan. The same reason that I now suffer for you know twenty some plus years as a Dolphins fan because I wanted to be like the cool kid next door. Oh, Mario Kart. That's another one. Oh that, shit! What am I thinking? Yeah, started on Super Nintendo. Um, F Zero. F Zero was okay. I didn't have it. I rented it. Yeah. It, Star Fox. Star oh, Fox they're was, okay. Yeah, Star yes. Fox was that revolutionary. I probably played Star Fox more than anything else. That and yes, Mario World. But my aunt had. Um, we'd go to my aunt and uncle's house. My aunt had a Super Nintendo, and I would just run upstairs into like the little room she had it set up and the one game i would play more than anything was what the hell was it was it like caesar's palace or it was just a casino game caesar's palace probably yeah super caesar's palace everything had super all i know is like you would it was a little animation of your friends in the car driving in the casino yeah that was caesar palace okay and that the the more you made the better the car you got to drive home in was sweet i never got that far i was awful at gambling what what game did we talk about last week where uh wario Wario, you got the bigger house you got the bigger house yeah yeah Yeah. that's how caesar's palace was the more you made in the casino the better the car the vehicle you got to go home in was i never got that far i'm pretty sure i got thrown out of the casino or some shit of course we had caesar's palace for game boy so we talked Game Boy. Oh, and if I mean speaking of Game Boy, 1991 was the release of the Game Gear. So if you had six AA batteries <laughs> in 20 minutes before they wore out, you could play Sonic in the car with light on color screen. You know, and you'd have to have your own backpack to carry this thing. <laughs> I still have my Game Gear. Really. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it feels ergonomical now, but at, at like eight or nine, ten years old, yeah. those little hands just <laughs> trying to fumble around with it. Yeah, now, I mean, it's like the size of a fucking Galaxy Note, but back then, it was it was rather large, but it was, it was cool. I mean, the Game Gear was, eh, but didn't really take off. It was... The batteries, the expense of it all. It was expensive, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. A Nintendo, just, I was a Nintendo fanboy. I mm-hmm. had Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64. I haven't had GameCube out of all. Yeah. I didn't have PlayStation. I, I have a GameCube. And um, then I had some good games. I had, and then after Wii, I gave up. I didn't get the Wii U. And I, I, yeah. I haven't bought a Switch. Did you go and get one? No. If, if, I, if I had the choice, I'm going to buy my Ghostbuster lego firehouse before i would buy that that's yeah. true well we've talked a lot about 1991 we're almost in an hour and a half oops oh my god um you could go ahead and pot up the oh there because our fans didn't hear the theme music at all what are we talking about next week oh this is my specialty food or particularly fast food Fast food and restaurants that no longer exist. That's the caveat. They have to no longer they exist. They have to no longer exist. What if they only exist in, like, rest stops on the side of a turnpike? <laughs> Maybe we could... Okay. We could talk... We could delve into that, but... We'll see... We'll see what... Uh, we'll see what you come up with. All right. And uh, that's all. 
That's all about 1991. We exhausted. We, we're, if we're going to get so specific for only being week. alive for nine years <laughs> and eight years for you, yeah. if we knew a lot about 91. It was an important year for a us. A lot went down. Formative years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an hour and a half, you guys. We gave you about a half hour of extra podcast today. Or a half hour of actual podcast and, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then an hour of us going uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, uh me sneezing and blowing my nose and so yeah, it's all good it's congested in the morning it's what it is it's natural it's you and i sitting down just chit-chatting about the rad years <laughs> all right i'm rk i'm squeezer we'll talk to you next week <laughs>